With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, just thank you for waking us up this morning, God. Thank you for a brand new day just to give our lives to you, Lord. Thank you for a new day just to live for you, God. I just lay today at your feet, God. Whatever happens to anybody that's listening to the sound of my voice, God, I pray that they just roll their care onto you, God, and they just leave it at your feet, and they will not be distracted by the things of this world that are day in their life, God. I thank you that they're content with their portion, and I thank you, God, that their eyes are on you and not on this earth. So, God, speak through me now. I'm a, a surrendered vessel. Whatever you want me to say, I'll say it. Whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So, um, before we get into the shake it off, I'm going to do something really quick. Just give you guys a couple of announcements about a few things that are going on. Just to keep you guys in the loop, this is your first time tuning in. Welcome. My name is Heather Lindsay, and every month I do a monthly study for Pinky Promise. So I provided a study at the beginning of the month, and it's this, this month is about overcoming discontentment. We have every area you could possibly think of from your purpose, what God called you to do, being content in your portion, being a godly mother, wife, whatever. Um, it's all on PinkyPromiseMovement.com under studies. So if, you know, God places on your heart to just join Pinky Promise, there's about 30,000 women. They have small groups all over the world. So get involved. Don't feel like you have to, you know, go through this walk on your own. Don't feel like nobody else understands, you know, what you're going through um, because there's other people out there that truly understand that want to live for God and do it the right way. Also, every year, whether you're a part of Pinky Promise or not, we get together for our Pinky Promise Conference. Now, when I say it's filling up and it's going down this year, it's going to be amazing. I have a lot of fun new stuff going on this year. Um, I'm going to be nice and pregnant. I'll be about 35 weeks pregnant. But it's all good because I preach the conference at 34 weeks. Um, but I know the room block, if you go to pinkyconferencecom is filled. Now, I just did an addendum to my contract to open it up to 50 more rooms. So by tomorrow morning around 10 or 11, you should be able to book your room. So if you didn't get a room, please book it. Now, from sister to sister, I have, I have to contract these rooms. So guess what? If you sign up for a room and then you don't come, guess who gets to pay for it? Me. So, yeah, let's make sure if, you know, you believe you're supposed to be at that conference that you're there. And if you sign up for, a, if you, sign up for you know, a room, make sure that you come and make sure that you stay there because, you know, there, there is a business aspect to it that I hate, but it's necessary. Um, statewide Peaky Promise Shower, um, it's going down in Atlanta, Georgia, September 12th, I believe. Um, check the email. I sent it out. But um, there's ways that you guys can help and just be a part of it. One, if you're coming to the Pinky Promise Conference, bring a gently used item um, that we can donate to the women. Pretty much it's just a bunch of low-income mamas that we're getting together. We're going to love on them with the love of Jesus Christ. We're going to tell them about CPR, baby shaking syndrome. We're going to encourage them, we're going to feed them, and we're going to send them away with a bunch of free stuff. And it's, I had this vision of doing this statewide baby shower with all these other low-income moms all over the world and getting them involved in Pinky Promise and getting them involved to the conferences. 
So um, God put it on your heart to, to donate some items. Please do that. Um, if you have questions, go to PinkyPromiseQuestions at gmail.com. If you want to donate financially, go to PinkyPromiseMovement.com, click on the Donate button, and your donations go to renting out the building, um, paying for the food and all that other good stuff. Um, you can write all that stuff off. Also, if you want to volunteer, PinkyPromiseQuestions.com. I'm sorry, at gmail.com. So email us if, you, you know, God places on your heart to be a part of this amazing event. Um, just being a new mother, actually, I'm, my son's almost two, but I just had such a strain on my heart for women that are low income and just women that are single and that are doing it on their own. And I felt like, God, there's got to be a way I could reach out to help these women and touch them. So I figured throwing a huge baby shower, inviting them, loving on them, hugging on them, and telling them their baby has a purpose and God loves them, God has not forgotten about them. So, okay, that's it for announcements. Let's do the shake it off really quick. If you listen to me preach, essentially it's you giving your care of God. Don't come to another one of these sessions thinking about everything that happened, the boyfriend, the husband, all the arguments with the family. Let it all go. We're going to lay it at the feet of the Lord right now. We're not going to be stressed out by the things of the world, but we're going to stay focused. So let's just all take a moment and go before the Lord and just roll our care onto him. God, I just worship you. Thank you, Lord, for waking me up, God. You're so good. I thank you for my portion, God. I thank you that my eyes are just on you, Lord. I praise you for my husband and my family and this ministry, God, you inhabit my praise, Lord. I thank you, God, that I give you my distractions and my worries and the bills and the conferences and the different things I lay at your feet, God. I give you the pregnancy hormones, Lord. I'm just thankful to be able to carry a gift, Lord. Help me to not complain and not to murmur, but just stay focused on you, Holy Spirit. You are my hope and you are my joy and you are my strength. God, I worship your holy name. Praise all for you and about you, God. Worship you in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, so let's go ahead and get right into the message. The Lord put overcoming discontentment on my heart because it seems like, especially around the holidays, we're coming up on Valentine's Day. Or whether if you're single or if you're married, and you might find that you're not happy. And it's like you're waiting for this huge event to happen in your life to be happy. And I came to tell you that what you need is not an event. No temporary thing on this earth is going to fill that huge God-sized void in your heart. So you can run around to all these different things. You can you can go to this prophet to get an answer. You can go on Match.com and get you a man, and you think that's going to make you happy, but it's not going to make you happy. Having a bunch of kids is not going to make you happy. Getting married is not going to make you happy. Getting a promotion is not going to make you happy. You see, God places void in your heart that only can be filled by him. So if you keep on trying to fill him up and using the world, you're never going to be satisfied. You think you're going to be satisfied, and that's why you keep pursuing the world because you're looking to be filled. You've got so many degrees, and it's like at what point will you understand that God never wanted you to even go to all those schools? He wanted you to worship him with your whole life. But instead, you're running and chasing after this world, looking for affirmation, looking for fulfillment, fulfillment that can only come only God can fill those voids on the inside of you. That man can't fill that void. And you go learn real quick because if you get married and you try to make that man your God, you're going to quickly find out that he's a terrible God. He's a terrible God, and he can't solve all your issues and make you happy, honey. Happiness starts within, and it starts at the cross, and it starts when you just surrendering your life to God and saying, Lord, here's my life. And then you're going to get hit with some tests and trials. And then when you get hit with the tests and trials, do you quit? Or do you, do you murmur, you complain, you just, Oh, God forgot about me. God doesn't care about me. God doesn't love me. 
Or are you mature in those tests and say, you know what, I'm going to pass this test. I ain't going back to my vomit, God. I'm going to live for you. I'm going to do what you want me to do, Lord. I'm going to be committed to this thing. And then you grow, and then you mature, and you mature, and you mature, and then you look back and you're like, what did I used to be discontent about? I'm going to show you the story in the Bible about some people that were very, very discontent and were not happy. And I want us to go to it. Let's go to Exodus um, 13. And we just were not happy. They were not happy whatsoever. And I feel like that's kind of a lot of Christians. We're so focused on, I need to get my blessing. I need to get my breakthrough. This is going to be my year of favor. All this stuff. No, honey, no, no, no. You see, the thing is this. You want the favor. You want the blessing. You want all the things, but you don't want to change. You're exactly the same. You woke up the same. You little baby the same. You're exactly the same because you're not changing. And you think that you can go and get out and die some genie, like, I'm going to rub on Jesus. I'm going to rub on Jesus. I'm going to get my prayer answered. Yep, that's what your heart is wicked and it's wrong, and God doesn't even hear it. What is your motive? What is your heart when you go before the Lord? He's not like this genie that's like, you know, every prayer, just, no, it's according to his will. When you pray, you act according to his will. It's not for your selfish desires. It's not for you can, you can have favor and breakthrough on your job. God is like, I need to deal with you about stealing the paper at your job before you're talking about getting a breakthrough. That's the problem. Your mindset is wrong. You're focused on temporary things. It's like we took that worldly mindset from the world into Christianity, and we look at God like he's a bank. Like, we can go up there and, like, oh, God, take this, fund this. God, you're my provider. I declare the name. Honey, you can scream it into the atmosphere as long as you want to, but you're going to find yourself so unhappy and so unfulfilled, and you'll find that all these things that you've been speaking in the atmosphere ain't happening. And I know because I used to be that girl. I was so focused on my, my vision board of everything God is going to do with my life. It was all about me, and I pushed God out of it because I was not happy. I was not content with the will that he called me to do. God, I'm going to be a TV host. That's what I'm going to do. I put on my vision board. I'm going to be a PRL MTV host. That's what I'm going to do, God. And guess what? I got the opportunity to do it. But when I did it, I realized, God, I wanted it more than I wanted you. I just went to you because I thought that you could get me the thing. I went to you, God, because I thought that you could make me happy. You know, if you, if you give me some temporary thing and God showed me, honey, I created you for a plan and a purpose. And it's greater than what you think. So I had to lay down television hosting. I had to lay it all down before the Lord. And do I care about it? Heck no. I care about eternity. Let's just be clear. I don't know how long I'm going to be on this earth, and neither do you. You don't know if you even wake up tomorrow. I don't want to stand before God and say, Lord, I made being a TV host and idol, so I have laid it before the Lord and I let it go. And I've had so many opportunities to be on reality TV and do all that stuff, and I've turned it down and I said no because I know when it's God, and I know when he has to be glorified in everything that I do. I'm not going to run and go do something because of something I made up in my vision board years ago. I need to be led by the Holy Spirit. So let's go to Exodus 13. I just want to give you guys some backstory. Um now, the Israelites were some complaining, murmuring people. God freed them from slavery. They were in slavery for 400 years. So God freed them from Pharaoh, who, who was keeping him cap- keeping all of them captive. So they got free from him. And um, Moses and Aaron led them, were leading them to the promised land. Now, let's go to Exodus 13. And what I was saying, 13 17. What's so interesting is when God led them away from Pharaoh, this is where he led him. This is where he led them. Oh, 
All right. When Pharaoh finally let the people go, God did not lead them along the main point that runs through the Philistine territory, even though it was the shortest route to the promised land. God said if the people are faced with a battle, they may change their minds and turn back to Egypt. Now, the Egyptians kept them captive, and they were going to come after them not long after this. So God led them in a roundabout way through the wilderness towards the Red Sea. Thus, the Israelites left Egypt like an army ready for battle. Now, what's interesting to me, as I was just reading that, um, I'm like, wow, God led them through the wilderness, not the shortest route. And sometimes in our walk, we think God's going to take us through the shortest route. We're like, God, you know, this is the quickest way. I can just go this way and you just tell me what I need to do, God. It's just the easier way. But God was trying to teach them, you've been in bondage to Pharaoh for 400 years. I need to change your mindset. I need to change the way that you think. So I'm going to take you through a wilderness. And my purpose in doing that is so you learn to trust me because you don't trust me. You trust Egypt. And that's why I'm not going to take you through the short route, because if there's a battle, you're going to run back to what is comfortable to you. And that is exactly what we do in our walk. We get saved. We get free from that bondage of sin, that bondage of slavery, and we keep, and then we get hit with a test or hit with a battle in the wilderness, and we want to run back to the Egypt in our life. You want to run back to the man. You want to run back to pornography. You want to run back to the homosexuality. You want to run back to to making it happen, and even ambition can be a domination towards the Lord. Being so ambitious that you forgot God, you're creating this big tower of Babel in your life, and God has nothing to do with it. And he's saying, I need you. I want all of you. I want, I want you to truly trust me, and I'm showing you in the wilderness that you don't trust me. And the wilderness is quiet. In the wilderness, you can't even really, I mean, there's so many, the forest is so thick in the wilderness, you can, you can barely even see where you're going or what you're doing. God was trying to teach them, you need to trust in me. You need to focus on me. You need to not look at Egypt. You need to not look at your past. You need to look, not look at where I, I, I brought you from, only to look back to tell people about where I brought you from. But they weren't doing that. They were complaining, and they were murmuring along the way, and they were just mad. But let's, let's read what they were saying. Um, Exodus 14, let's just put 14 and 10. Fourteen and ten. As Pharaoh approached, the people of Israel looked up in panic when they saw the Egyptians overtaking them. They cried out to the Lord and they said to Moses, "Why would you bring us here to die in the wilderness? Were there enough graves for us in Egypt? What have you done to us? Why did you make us leave Egypt? Didn't we tell you that this would happen um, while we were still in Egypt? We said, leave us alone. Let us be slaves to Egyptians. It's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse." in the wilderness. Isn't that crazy? They were nursing discontentment and blaming God, but know that that will not further your cause. They were nursing discontentment. They, they said it was better where we were, and that's what we do sometimes. When we step out on faith to trust God and believe God, it's like stuff starts to happen in our life. Stuff don't work out. We're about to get evicted. It seems like, you know, you're losing friends. It seems like when you make a stand for God that you get hit with tests and trials, and you're like, wow, it was easier over here when I was living for the world, and you begin to compare your life to this world. And my thing is, who told you that? Who have you been talking to? Obviously, the Egyptians were talking to one another, or the Israelites were talking to one another. It was better over there. It was easier over there. So who have you been talking to? Who have you been listening to? Listen to your mama and them. And don't get me wrong, I get it. Mamas and them are important. They probably have an idea of what they want you to do. But as a mother, my, my standpoint is this, Logan, what? 
to my son, Logan, what has God called you to do? I don't know. Well, you need to do that. Go get in your face and tell the Lord shows you what you're supposed to do. Well, I don't know. Well, you need to, you need to know that. Don't be going into college trying to figure it out. That's expensive. That, that, that's money right there. You need to know what God is telling you to do. You need to know what God is showing you to do. And the thing is, if God can speak to a child. He can make it plain to them. Now, what about you in your own life? What is God telling you to do? You might feel like, you know, I'm not happy in medical school. Well, that's the problem, honey. Now, there's two, type of, two types of unhappiness. There's one of being tested in trial because you're supposed to be there, and you know you're supposed to be there, but you're getting tested and you want to run from it. Or it's the test of disobedience. You know you ain't supposed to be there. You knew it in your gut. You knew when you applied for the, when you, when you changed your major to biology, you knew when you applied for medical school, you knew when you visited the school, you, God made it clear to you the whole way, the whole time you made up in your mind what you're going to do because you want a certain amount of salary. Honey, when you're living for God and you're pursuing him, money was not going to matter to you because God is truly going to provide for you and take care of you. But these people were looking, or the, the, the Israelites were looking, and they were saying, well, it was easier back then. It was easier there. Is that what you do with God? God, it's e- it was easier when I wasn't saved. It was easier when I didn't have conviction of sin. Or was it, really? Because eternity is a long time, honey. It is, and it's, it's heaven or hell. And some of us don't think that. It's like you wait for this event in your life. I can't wait to get married. How do you know you will even live to get married? How do you even know that? How do you even know you'll live to see the promotion? Will you make idols of out of everything your whole entire life? And then one day you will wake up in a blink of an eye and stand before God. And what will he say to you? Get away from me? I didn't even know you. Will he say that to you? Or he will say, my good and faithful servant, come on, you accomplished the will of God. You laid down your plans. You let it go. When, when I took you through that wilderness, you learned to trust me. And what's interesting is when I was studying this, there were 600,000 men that took that journey towards the promised land. Now imagine, okay, let's just assume that every man was married. That's 1.2 million people that were taking that walk towards the promised land. Imagine they had kids. That's 2.6 million. So there's about 2.6 million altogether um, people that were taking the walk to the promised land. Guess how many people got into the promised land? Two. Josh. Joshua and Caleb. I encourage you to go back and just read the story. But those people complained. It took them 40 years to go on an 11-day journey or 250 miles. It was only 250 miles to the promised land because they complained, because they murmured. I mean, and God was providing for them. He parted the Red Sea. I mean, you can read the story. He parted the Red Sea, and he and they walked through. And then when the Egyptians chased after them, you know, God, he, he, um, he drowned them. I mean, heaven dropped manna for food for them and quail. Moses hit a rock because they needed water, and, and water came out of it. It's like God provided for them over and over again. But even with that, they still complained. They still murmured. They said, God, it was better over here. It was better in Egypt when I was a slave. It was better here. And God is like, how much more do I have to prove to you that I love you and that I have your back? I sent my only son. I sent everything I had. And then I sent the Holy Spirit to give you instructions and to lead and guide you on this earth. And the only thing that you're thinking about is when your man is coming. Everything's about your man. You made it an idol. You may as well bow down and worship the idea of a man because that is what you do. You focus on it. It is your hope in your head. You're going you're gonna to buy your house and you're going you're gonna to do all this stuff. And God is like, I need, come here, come here, come back in, come back in. 
I provide for you and I take care of you. And if it be my will, I will bring a person at the right time. But your eyes are on the wrong thing. You will never be content and you will never be happy with that man because you were miserable and miserable when you were single and discontent. When you get married, you go push that off on that on that man. Tell him, I'm gonna godly man, Jesus, give me a godly man. Oh Jesus, you gotta give me a godly man. For what? All you're going to do is complain about everything he ain't doing. I ain't going to do that. I'm going to be a good wife. Are you really? Well, what are you doing right now, sister girl? All you do is complain and murmur and gossip about everybody. You don't spend time with God. You don't pass the test and trials. You're like the Israelites. You go around the mountain for 40 years, and you don't even make it to the promised land. Why? Because all you do is murmur and complain, and you're never happy, and whatever God does is never good enough for you. Nothing is good enough for you. You will never be satisfied, and it's not everybody else. It's you. You go and you serve at church and you complain and you murmur and you constantly go to the leaders because you're not happy and everybody needs to fix everything else because they're wrong. You create fake profiles and you go on people's pages and you bash them. You create fake reviews when people write books. I mean, you are mad and you are bitter. Discontentment bursts bitterness. You're not going to be happy. You can't be happy for anybody else if you're discontent with your own self. That starts to change. Complaining and arguing with God, God, you forgot about me. I ain't got no purpose. You know, God, and he's like, why do you keep arguing with me? Let's look at this. Let's look at Isaiah 6, 45. 45 and 9. What sorrow awaits, though, to argue with the creator? Does the clay pop argue with its maker? Does the clay dispute what? With, with the one that's shaping it, saying, stop what you're doing. It's wrong. Does the pot exclaim, how clumsy can you be? How terrible it would be if a newborn baby said its father, to its father, why was I born, or to its mother, why did you make me this way? Why are you arguing with God like he has a hidden agenda out to get you? God is not like man. He holds the entire universe in the palm of his hand. Can you imagine how you must look to him? You must look like an ant to him. But what's amazing to me is that even though he holds the whole universe in his hands, he knows the number of hairs on my head. He knows my name. He knows my favorite color. He loves me. He knows me on the inside out. And I can trust that the thoughts that he thinks towards me are good. And I can thought and I can think that the, that the plans he has for me are good. And, yes, I'm going to have to go through some tests and trial because there's some yucky stuff on the inside of me that needs to be birthed out of me. So if you tuned in today because you feel discontent, I came to tell you you're not discontent. You don't trust God because if you trust God, you'll be content. If you trust God, you'll trust his portion. It was a season in my life when I moved to New York City. I mean, it's before ministry, before all of you guys came. And it's like I'm, I'm – I went to New York because God told me to go there. And so I'm there, and I, I moved to the hood, and I'm living in, like, Spanish Harlem. No offense to anybody that lived there, but I had, like, roaches and rats and all that other stuff. And, and I, I came from the country, and I just wasn't used to it. I'd never seen a roach before. So I was trying to adjust, and it was my wilderness. I was learning to trust God. I trusted God for my daily bread. There'd be days where I had eggs for dinner, for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. There's times where I walked around. I remember I took an internship because he told me to. He told me not to get a job. This is what he told me to do. He told me to take an internship. I took the internship, and, you know, I just wanted to tell people about Jesus while I was there. That's all I wanted to do. I worked for free, and my shoes had holes in them. And I only had one pair of shoes, and I would hate it when it rained because every time it rained, you know, water would seep into the hole. 
And I'd just be like, well, dang, so I have to get to work and I have to wash my feet off because, you know, I had subway water and all that stuff on my feet. I was so uncomfortable. But I needed to go through that wilderness period. I needed to hear God's voice in the quiet. I needed to hear his voice in the wilderness. I needed to hear it when it was hard. Because now where God has me now, the tests are bigger than they ever have been before. I thought rent was my issue then. Now I'm dealing with these huge contracts with hotels where I've got to step out on faith and trust God. And there's so many times in ministry that we have big things that are happening, and it's like, God, I don't know how this is going to happen. I mean, I don't know where it's going to come from, God, but by faith I'm going to do it. But you see, each season prepared me for the next one. I had to learn how to be happy eating eggs. There's times I went to the grocery store where it was like, do I eat, you know, do I, am I going to eat? Am I buying food to eat or am I going to buy toilet paper? I mean, which one am I going to buy today? I had to learn to be content. I had to learn to say, God, you're my portion. I wasn't like, God, why me? Why me? Because I knew I could go back into the world and get me a little man to pay my bills, but I knew that that was not my portion. I knew that's not what God called me to do, and I did not want one of Satan's sons trying to steal all over me for a few dollars. They ain't nothing but prostitution, honey. You, you, give your, you give the side eye to the women that walk on the street, but you do the same exact thing, taking their money so they can feel all over your body. Honey, he, he don't love you. He loves, he likes you. He loves you, and he likes you and many other women. You better be real careful. You better listen to the Holy Spirit because he, he might be trying to tell you that homeboy has AIDS, and you don't see that because he looks fine on the outside and he drives a Mercedes Benz, but on the inside his heart ain't right, and his body is sick and it's dirty. But, no, you don't see that because you want your little handbag, honey. It ain't worth it. It's not worth your eternity. It's not worth your eternity. Is it really worth it? Is it really, really worth your discontentment? And that's the danger with discontentment. It breeds rebellion. It makes you feel like God is not for you. It makes you feel like you need to go make it happen in your life because you don't think that God is going to work things out for you. You just don't trust God. You don't trust God like you say you do. You sing the songs, you do all that stuff, but we must come to the point where we say, God, I trust you. I trust you, God. There's times where I had to go work for very difficult, very difficult personalities. It seemed like every job I went to, my bosses were off the chain. Like, I mean, they were so hard on me. And I look over and everybody else had the easiest, nicest boss. But it seemed like the Lord always put me with a boss that was, like, hard, hard on me, made me work crazy hours, but it had to thicken my skin to do what God is calling me to do now. Now when people cut up with me, it doesn't bother me. I mean, I mean, I love them and pray for them, but it, when people come for me, it, I love on them, but I understand this fight is spiritual. It's not physical. I've been strengthened. What used to bother me no longer bothers me. The old Heather can't be in ministry. I needed to, God had to uproot stuff with in my heart along the way because I wasn't ready. And some people want a stage so bad that they will run and they will buy followers and they'll buy all that stuff because they want they want a stage, honey. That stage is going to cost you something. It cost Jesus his whole life. He had to die, and he died a hard death. But thank God he rose again for our sins. But that stage is going to cost you something. It's going to cost you going before the Lord and just dying to yourself and saying, you know what, flesh, I'm not going to entertain your discontentment. In Hebrews, it says, God gives us a way out of every temptation. And some of us read that and we say, oh, God gives me a way out of temptation from having sex. Yet he gives me a way. He also gives you a way out of temptation from your thoughts. 
You don't have to think that or entertain that thought. Don't sit there and entertain discontentment. Don't entertain I'm not happy. God, I'm not satisfied. Don't entertain that thought. Don't entertain those things. They're pushing you further and further away from what God has called you to do. And now you, it's taken you 40 years to take a 250-mile trip, and God is like, now I got to go raise up your kids to do what you won't do. And two people got into the promised land. Isn't that crazy? I don't know about you, but I need to make sure that I'm in that promised land. I need to make sure that my eyes are on eternity and not on earth. I don't care about this earth. All this stuff is temporary. All I know is one day I'm going to stand before God. And that, if that doesn't put the fear of God in you right now, then you need to ask yourself, why, does not, why, does, why don't I fear you, God? Why doesn't that bother me? The thought of standing before you and being accountable for everything that I've ever said, everything that I've ever done, that should, be, that should push you to be like, you know what, Lord? Let me get on my face real quick and repent of my sins and say, God, I, I, I thought I loved you. I thought I trusted you, but I don't trust you. Because if I did, then I would show it in my actions. If I trusted you, I'd show it in my life. Reminded of First um, Timothy 6 and 7, you don't have to go there. Godliness with contentment is great gain. It's great gain. So, sister girl, you don't need one more thing in order to be happy. You need God. And only him. No event on this earth is going to fulfill you. So if you have been searching in Louis Vuitton, in Chanel and Christian Louis Vuitton, and that man, and that promotion, and the bigger house, and the bigger car to fulfill you, you're going to come up empty. And if you aren't careful, God is going to remove those things that you bow down in worship. I know he did it for me. I remember when, you know, we were going into ministry full time few years ago, and I'd been saving. I was working a full-time job, and I was saving, 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 saving. And, you know, my husband said, all right, six months, you can leave your job, go to full-time ministry. So in my head, I'm like, you know, God, I need to save money because I don't know how we're going to pay our bills. And I was over, I'm over the money in our household, so I was like, let me make sure we're good, and I'm saving, saving, saving. We're cutting back, cutting back. So then on the day, that was three days before my last day at work, the transmission goes out on my truck. And I'm like, really, 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 God? And literally, to the dime, every dime I saved went towards just about, I mean, it was a lot of money to go towards the transmission. I was so mad. And then the Lord told me, as I was wiped the card on my last day of work, the Lord said to me, and then it was the transmission and then my key, something happened with my key, my key wasn't working. I mean, it was like three or four things went wrong all of a sudden on my car, who which had always worked perfectly. And it was so much money that was debited from our savings account. And I was so mad, and I said to God, I said, God, why? I'm trying to be a good steward over my finances. I'm trying to do the right thing for our family. Why did this happen? I'm newly pregnant. Like, what's going on, God? And he said to me, you have more hope in your savings. That was your cushion. It wasn't me. It was your cushion. So I had to remove your cushion to show you that you really need me. You don't need the stuff of this earth in order to be happy. And, gosh, the Lord has provided. And, you know, I wish I didn't have to go through that test and, and give the dealership all that money, but I needed to go through it to show me, you know what? Going into ministry, I need to not depend on my savings. I need to not depend on myself. I need to depend on the Holy Spirit. I need to be led by his spirit because other people are affected by my obedience and my disobedience especially by this week. So I'm going to go ahead and pray for you guys and we'll do the Q&A.
Lord, I just thank you for this word today, God. I pray that it was sown on good ground, Lord. I just pray that you remind us that eternity is awaiting us, Lord. I pray that you remind us that our hope has got to be in you and not this earth. I pray that you show us, God, that you have a plan for our life and you are with us and you love us. So Satan, you will not come behind me and steal this word that was planted. God, I pray that it was sown on good ground into the hearts of those that listen. And Lord, I pray that they guard their hearts from TV shows, from radio, from talking with certain people, God. I pray that they guard their heart, Lord, so they'll listen to you and they'll honor you with their whole entire being. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So I got lots and lots of questions. Lots and lots of questions. So I'm not going to be able to go through all of them, um, but know that we do this every month. Um, know that I'm going to try to get some, as many as I can, um, but I'm not always able to get to all of them. But the great thing is if you don't know what to do, in James 1, it says if you lack wisdom to ask God and he'll show you what to do. So there's been many times in my life where I was like, um, God, I don't know what to do. And he's like, ask me and I'll show you. So, All right. Um, I've been trying to get my undergrad degree since 2008. As of now, I've taken about three semesters off because I couldn't pay. Well, five now because I didn't take classes last fall or spring. Could it be that college isn't for me? I'm about to be 25, and I don't want to be in college forever. Honestly, I can't answer that for you. I'm not against college. I graduated from Michigan State University. Am I using my degree? No, I'm not using my degree. But I am paying Sally May or Nevent or whoever bought them out. So I just, <laughs> I'm still kind of mad about those student loans. But I know that I needed to go there for that season. So granted, you know, that's, where, that's the path that God took me on. Um, I didn't have anybody saying, Heather, God, what has God called you to do? Um, I figured it out what the Lord showed me to do in um, my junior year in college. By then, I was about to graduate. And God didn't tell me to leave school. So you have to be led by the Lord in what to do. Now, if the Lord's shutting doors so you don't go down that path, um, you have to ask yourself, all right, why? Like, why? You know, why is this door constantly slammed in my face? Maybe you don't want me to go down this path, but my advice, fast and pray. Get before the Lord. Shut off your phone. Shut off technology. Fast from some some food. Get some water and go spend time with God and let him reveal to you what he wants you to do. He'll show you. Hi, Heather. I'm 19 years old, and I've been depressed since I was 15. My life has taken a nosedive. Since I began trying, uh, began focusing on trying to overcome my depression, I want to live a better life, but I continue letting myself fall deeper into this issue. I'm afraid that I'll never be able to start new. What do I do? Now I'm going to be honest with you, sister girl. Now this is if you if you're focusing on trying to overcome your depression, you're focusing on the wrong thing. We have to focus on Jesus. We focus on the cross. We focus on Him, and then you let Him change you from the inside out. Now, if your depression is clinical or if you feel like it's deeper than it needs to be, then maybe you need to sit down and talk to, you know, maybe a leader locally, wherever you live, um, just to gauge where you are in your depression. Because I don't want to ignore the fact that, you know, some people, some people are really, really deep in depression, and I don't want you to, to you know, negate that. So I'm, based on the information that you gave me, know that the blood of Jesus covers even depression. This time in the, times in the Bible where Jesus himself was depressed. There's times where David was depressed. People were depressed because of the sins of the world, because of the things that were going on in their life. My advice to you would, would be I would write all the scriptures out on depression because um, I used to struggle with depression um, for a season in my life when I had a lot of people die um, and I had a miscarriage and all these things were happening. And I'm like, God, I just hit rock bottom. And I remember reading, um, I wrote a blog 
on it, on heatherellindsay.com, it says, Lord, I'm empty. And it's almost like God had to empty me out to fill me back up again before I even thought about, you know, before he put me in ministry. But he told me to get up out of my depression based on, I believe, um, the story where they went to the man who was lame and um, he, he sat by the gate called Beautiful. He wanted to get put in the water, but every time he got put in the water, somebody went ahead of him. So he was complaining to the disciples that nobody could put him in the water. And as I was reading it, I heard the disciples say, he said, he said, get up. And when I read that, God said, Heather, get up from your depression. Get up. Get out of it. It's time to get out of it. And I got free from depression. I probably struggled with it for about a year. Um, but I can't tell you, you know, what to do. I only can share my story. So my prayer is that God frees you from it right now in the name of Jesus and that you let it go and you lay it at his feet and that you spend time with God daily. It's so important that you spend time in this word. The more time I spend with God, the more perspective he gives me about my life, the more he shows me, you know what, Heather, you've been trusting the wrong thing. So don't focus on the depression. Focus on the cross. Focus on him. Spend time with God daily. Get involved in a local group um, and, and, and your accountability buddies along the way. I've been struggling with pornography and lust for about 20 years since I was a child. Struggle's too real. I've gone on binges to stop, but I keep going back to square one. I feel stuck, and I need to change soon. I can tell it affects other areas of my life, especially the type of men I attract and how they treat me. Um, oh, I'm sorry that you're going through that. Um, I have to be just totally real with you. You might need to throw away your laptop. You might need to throw away your phone. And I know you're, people are like, whoa, whoa, Heather, you're too extreme. But, but come on, if you're struggling with it and your computer is causing you to sin or your phone is causing you to sin, maybe you need to go put it in the other room, get rid of it, give it to a friend and say, you know what, during these hours, obviously I'm getting tempted. So <clears throat> instead I need to pull up my Bible and start singing worship music. You start singing I Surrender All to God, you're not going to look up that pornography anymore. How bad do you want it? Maybe you need to go take your phone over to Mama and house. Or, or aunties in the house and leave your laptop there. Leave it there and go sit in the presence of the Lord. And you do that to the point where you spend this time with God and you begin to hate the sin that you once loved. And that's when you know when you had an encounter with God because you no longer want to go back to the things that you used to do. If you keep revisiting this place, it's because you're giving in to that temptation that is coming, the temptation knocks on your door. God has freed you from it. But the temptation knocks on the door, and you open the door, and you entertain it. You've got to stop opening the door. You've got to say, Holy Spirit, help me not to open this door anymore. What boundaries do I need to set? What shows are you listening to on TV? What music are you listening to on TV? Who are you talking to? Are you looking at sexual graphics? Are you, are you entertaining, you know, novels that are very sexual? You have to ask yourself, what am I putting in on the inside of me? Because if I put in righteousness, if I put in godliness, if I put in holiness, I'm not going to want to do those things anymore. I'm not going to want to pursue those things anymore. So get accountability, buddies. There's, um, there's, oh gosh, what is it called? I'm going to have to ask my husband. Um, email Pinky Promise questions again, or, you know, maybe I'll just try to forward, I'll just forward it to myself. Um, but um, oh, it's called this, Covenant Eyes. Get on covenanteyes.com. Get accountability button, buddy. What you'll do is your accountability buddy will get a playback. Like it, it shows you all the websites that you go on. So, for example, it doesn't show you. It shows your friend. So if you sign you and your friend up, then it tells your friend the sites that you've been going on. So people will know what you've been doing and, and where you've been going. So my husband 
and a bunch of his guys that he's, you know, that he does accountability with, they are all on there, and they do accountability with one another. So he'll see a guy on a website, and he'll call him and say, bro, why are you on the website? Why are you looking at that stuff? Let's address it. Um, you're not alone in this walk. So it's Covenant Eyes. Look it up. But I encourage you to install that on your phone, on all your phones, your laptops, or whatever the case is. Okay. What if you were in an unhappy marriage and don't want to be in it? I know God honors marriage, but this unhappy cycle has been going on for years. Uh, I mean, it just goes back to my message that I that I taught on today. Um, and this, and it just, this just popped up in my heart. We win our husbands over with our quiet and our gentle spirit. And I know people might be thinking, well, she ain't happy. It's probably his fault. That's the problem. We're always blaming everybody else about everything else. We're not taking any responsibility for maybe our mouth, our nagging, our complaining, our not being happy, our arguing. We have a part to play. I'm not going to give you an out for your marriage, sis. I'm not going to tell you because you're unhappy, you need to just leave. You need to just go. I'm going to tell you, for better or for worse, is going to get tested in your marriage. And when you stood before God and you said your vows, you said, God, I'm willing for better or for worse to work through this marriage. And now this is your opportunity for better or for worse to work through it. So my advice to you is um, press through it, man. Spend time with God. Um, a book that I really like is Created to Be a Help Meet by Debbie Pearl. People say it's a little extreme, but she's a bit extreme. She doesn't believe in women preaching, but essentially she's preaching by writing the book. But um, She's very old school, but she's definitely going to read your mail and talk to you about your life. Um, that, that book really helped me. But um, I watched my husband change when I stopped nagging him, and he started to share his heart with me. He started to open up with me, and I was like, this man, now my husband won't stop talking. Um, I love it, though. I mean, I'm thankful and I'm grateful because we definitely have been in a cold place in our marriage where I wanted to get a divorce. I wanted to leave my husband, especially that first year. I remember sitting in a closet contemplating how I was going to get out of my marriage. Um, but I'm so glad we didn't quit because there's something so beautiful on the other side of pressing through your marriage. There's something so awesome. And I always say, I don't want to leave a legacy of divorce to my children. I don't want to. I want to press through it. I want to work through it. And, and you know, as for me and my house, I want to do what God says. So God can heal your dead marriage. He definitely healed my dead marriage because it was a hot mess. Okay. How do you handle submission to your husband when he's making a decision that you don't necessarily think is right? According to my amazing boyfriend, and we've been, uh, we're getting married this year. I've been praying um, about submitting to him, and honestly, the Lord's changing my heart. I'm growing to love submission. However, it's becoming challenging when I think he might be making the wrong decision. How do you handle this? The awesome thing about a woman is you're not only, the Bible calls the Holy Spirit a help me, but he also calls a woman a help me. And that's the thing, you get to help your husband or help your fiancé or who you're courting to see maybe their their decision is not right or wrong. But that doesn't always mean with words. Sometimes you've got to let him fall. And I know some of you guys are like, whoa, I am not going to do that. No, no, he's a leader. He needs to learn. He needs to learn to hear from God. He's going to have pitfalls. And you, even if you know the way, there's times in my own marriage where I know the way, and I have tried to say it, but he didn't listen. He got mad at me. And he's like, you trying to control me? you trying to be my mama? And I, mm-mm, mm-mm. I take it to the Lord. I say, all right, God, this is what it is. And then if my husband's wrong, he'll come back around and say, you know what, Heather, you're right. You should have did that. I messed up. I repent. Thankfully, my husband doesn't really do that anymore, um, but that first year was kind of rough. When we were courting, it was kind of rough, but I had to learn to trust him as my leader. I submit onto my husband as onto the Lord, 
So there's times, like I said, that my husband's going to mess up. There's times where he's not going to, you know, I don't think it's leading me totally properly. But God still honors my submission as on to the Lord. So I put my push my husband out the way, and I submit to him as on to the Lord. My service is on to the Lord. I submit as I, because I love God. I submit because I know it's what God wants me to do, and he honors it. And guess what? God turns around and honors my marriage because I'm still doing the right thing. And guess what? I always say this, um, you know, if my husband's going the wrong way, God will catch him. He'll show him what he needs to do. But he needs to learn to be led by the Holy Spirit, not by your words. So sometimes you got to just shut up. And I know, you know, some of y'all are like, mm. but, honey, you want your marriage to work, you're going to learn the Spirit or shut up. All right. Um, my husband and I have been trying to get pregnant for two months now. I'm 26 years old. And but a part of the fear is that it'll take longer than expected. We want multiple children. I find myself becoming a bit obsessed with ovulation videos and reading tons of articles about how to get pregnant. How do I trust God during this season? Um, honey, come here. <laughs> you need to delete all those apps. You need to stop looking at all those ovulation videos. The issue with that is just like that depression. You're focused on getting pregnant. You're focused on it. You're focused on it. And it's only been two months. Do you know how hard it is for women to actually get pregnant physically? The Lord opens and closes a woman's womb, not you. You can't do that. You can't control that. I know we think that we can in our head, but if God knows all of us, none of us are surprised. So I used to do the same exact thing. But it was the ovulation time. I was like, come here. It was like my husband was looking like, am I a piece like my piece of meat? Like, this is not fun anymore. You take the entire, you take the fun out of it because you're focused on that and you're not focused on Christ anymore. Then fear, anxiety, worry just grows in your heart. And you're not like this world. You're a Christian. You belong to God. You don't have to think that way. You don't have to worry. So I do the same thing. And then as soon as I stopped, I remember saying to the Lord, I cried up to him like Hannah and I said, God, I want a child and I'm dedicated back to you and you know, I just, I will pour into him so he'll live for you, God. And I just let it go. I stopped looking at the ovulation videos. I don't even know when I was ovulating nothing. And I got pregnant about a month later, but we've been trying for nine months. Um, then with, you know, with, with, with this new baby, um, the Lord has a sense of humor because I didn't want to get pregnant for a year, um, about a year after Logan was born. And, um, when Logan turned one, I told my husband, okay, we can start, like, trying. We don't believe in birth control, but we just, you know, we're believing God that we'd get pregnant during an eight-month period because I was like, I got the pinky promise because I can't be pregnant, Lord. You know, I told the Lord when I can get pregnant when I can. And here's a sense of humor because as soon as I stopped, as soon as I gave the Lord a deadline for when I couldn't get pregnant anymore was the very month I got pregnant. Um, so here's a sense of humor. It can become an idol if you're not careful. So delete all that stuff and enjoy your husband and, and stop worrying about all that stuff. All right. I've been an active member of my church for five years. I've been down for I've been a down for whatever member. Um, at the church three times or more a week, dang. Wore six different hats, sometimes more. Spiritual dogs to the pastor and her husband. Um, for some time I felt burnt out, but I didn't want to disappoint leadership by letting go of responsibilities. I began to feel as that though I was physically in church, but I didn't have a personal relationship with God. Oh, I know that feeling. I felt like um, I knew God through the ministry, but I didn't know him for myself. So recently I gained enough backbone to finally say I need to know God for myself. So I decided to step away from the church for 30 days to seek God. If people don't understand them, of course, are disappointed in me. What are your thoughts on taking a sabbatical um, from your church? 
and ministry duties to see God. You did the right thing, honey. That's the thing. Just because you go to church and just because you serve does not mean you have a relationship with God. If you are getting burnt out and you are getting weary, you're no help to anybody. You're just a worker. Like when you when you're that stressed out and that worried about everything, you're not of any service to anybody. You needed to pull away to let God fill you up again. Who is making you feel bad about that? I don't know. My prayer is it's not the pastor. My prayer it's not their mindset. Um, you want to be leery of people that want you to hear their voice more than the voice of the Holy Spirit. We must always be led by the Lord. My husband and I, um, when we left our old church, our old pastor was like, no, you ain't supposed to leave. You're going to be cursed, divorced. But we broke and living with your family within one year. I mean, totally cursed us. People talked about us. It was so hard. But it thickened our skin, and we knew that we heard the voice of the Lord. So you make sure that you're listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit and not everybody else in the different voices. And you might want to reevaluate, why don't these people at your church care about your walk with God? Why are they more concerned about your service versus the care? So that's a really good question that you want to ask yourself and evaluate. Is this the church I'm supposed to be at? Let me just be real. People come to, you know, we have a church in Atlanta. They came and they said, I need to pull away and get full and filled with God because I'm just working. I'm not spending time with God. You need to go. Don't put that blood on my hands. You've got to go spend time with the Lord. That's more important, period. So check that out. Okay, Heather, I have a date with this guy in secret since May. He's separated from his wife. I know I shouldn't be with him, but no matter how hard I pray or what I do, he won't leave. He doesn't do anything to me for me to include dates or just random acts of courtesy. I just know I'm settling, but I can't shake him. I pray for the soul tie to be broken, but am I praying wrong? I'm so tired. Girl, sin makes you tired. Sin separates you from God. It's going to make you exhausted. Let that man go. He's separated from his ex. If he's separated, he's still married. So that's, that's, that's a dangerous situation to be in, honey. You better fear God so much that you don't want to be caught up with the wrong person and standing before God when they if he asks you, why are you in a adulterous affair? You need to let him go. Block his number, and it's not that you can't shake him. You don't want to shake him. You desire him more than you desire God. Let's just be real. If you desired God, you wouldn't even think about him. And the thing is this, God has a man for you, but you're focused on one of the, this man who's not, this man who's, who you have a soul tie with. Let it go. He's not God's best for you. How can God fill that seat if it's filled with men that shouldn't be there? So you have to let him go. I mean, like, right now. So pull out your phone, text him, it's over, delete his number, block his number, block his email, don't open his email. You gotta set boundaries. You can't expect change doing the same exact thing over and over again. If you want to desire God, you have to give your attention to him. You can't keep giving your attention to this man who's separated from his ex wife. Don't even get me started on why he's separated from his ex wife. I can probably assume why he is that's another sermon right there. Don't get me started on that. He needs to go back to his wife and figure that out. All right. Okay, why is it so hard to not be discouraged when you see other people's social media posts and it seems like their life is so grand and I'm just here with my born life? Girl, please. Social media is a highlight reel. It's just a highlight reel of people posting their happy photos. I post a happy photo with me and Logan, but what you did see is he had a total mental breakdown. Like right now, you're probably like, oh, your life is so perfect, girl, please. So right before I came up here, my son was crawling up the stairs screaming because he wanted to come up here with me. 
And it's like no one sees that aspect of it. You don't, I don't post photos of my son breaking down and having a mental breakdown. I post photos of him happy. I don't post arguments that I have with my husband. Um, I post us being silly and having fun. Yes, we, I believe that's messy. You, don't, you shouldn't push your arguments anyway because we work through all the stuff that we go through. But nobody's posting when they're depressed and they're down and they're crying and bawling their eyes out. Nobody's posting that stuff. But that stuff is real. And if you're not careful, you're going to idolize somebody's highlight reel. You don't even understand what they're going through and what they've been through. So you might need to get away from social media for a little while until you're strong enough to have the right perspective. And you might need to unfollow some people that you follow and that are causing them to be discontent. Um, but, again, a lot of that is on the inside of you, so it has nothing to do with the people. But that doesn't include certain, like, unsaved people that say, why are you following them? She's twerking all day. Why are you following her? Okay, I had a job as a nurse. They haven't been giving me hours. I keep applying for jobs, no calls for interviews, and I don't do well in the interview. I have this feeling that I'm supposed to be doing something great, which doesn't include being an employee. I just don't know what. I'm completely stuck and lost on how to get life moving, get life moving and no callbacks, talents, or ideas, or how to create income for myself. Uh, girl, I remember reading that just gave me a flashback. I remember sitting in this little cubicle. It was so dark. It was like you had to walk around the cubicle, and I was like in a corner. And I worked as a temporary employee at ASCAP, this company, um, this publishing company in New York City. And I remember feeling like, why am I in this little itty-bitty cubicle doing temporary work? God, what are you doing? Like, I didn't, you called me to preach the gospel. I mean, I knew what God told me to do, but I didn't have, like, a background in preaching. I didn't know anything. And so um, I learned that it's day by day getting up and giving each day to God. Day by day saying, Lord, here's my life. Here's my day. I give it to you. You won't all of a sudden arrive. You'll never arrive until you get to heaven. But Taking each day, day by day, giving it to the Lord, being intentional about not pursuing sin, being intentional about living for God, just being surrounding yourself with believers. Each season is going to prepare you for the next one. So this might be your wilderness season. It's hard where you're like, what is going on? But it could be that you don't truly trust God. It could be that. And God's trying to show you, you know what, to take you where I want to take you. I have to show you that you don't really trust me. Now, I feel you not feeling like you have gifts or talents because I felt the same way about myself. Um, I just, you know, it was hard. It was really hard. So you're not alone in this walk. Um, how do you know you're in the right relationship? Is there such thing as a soulmate? Um, will you know wrap that a piece of one? Okay. Um, I'm going to be honest. I don't believe that there's one particular person that is for you. I don't. Let me, let me clarify it. I believe that God gives us free will choice to choose. My husband and I, I had an opportunity when we were courting to step away from the relationship because I was, like, considering it. I was telling him I wasn't sure, and he told me, he said, hey, I'm not going back and forth with you about this. If you want to be in this relationship, we're going to have to work on this together. If not, it's fine. We can go our own way, and it is what it is. I could have said in that moment, you know what, I'm going to go my own way. I'm going to leave, and I'm going to do something different. I could have done that, and I would have never gotten married to my husband. And, you know, because he said, this is the last conversation we're going to have. Either we're going to move forward or we're done. And my husband's one of those command man type of personalities, like he's in or he's out. And I said, okay, I'm not going to, I'm going to, we're going to work through this. We're going to work through our problems. But I had a choice. I could have married anybody that I, you know, dated before. 
um, and exactly dated. I courted my husband, thank God I married him, um, but I could have dated or married any of those guys, but I would not be doing what I'm doing today. My husband, I'm able to be a help me to him. He needed help in ministry. He was stepping in ministry. He, we have a church in Atlanta. He needs help to do that. Now, I came in to help him, and as I was helping him, God gave me the desires of my heart of having Pinky Promise, an organization that encourages women to honor God with their lives and their bodies. And then a Pinky Promise boutique and Pinky Promise conferences, the Lord opened ways for me to be able to do that through my submission and my honor to my husband. So I don't believe that there's one particular person. I could have married anybody. Would I be doing what I'm doing now? Heck no. I would not be preaching with those guys. We had no standards. Would nobody follow what we was talking about? Because praise the Lord. So I believe that your destiny is attached. Now, I believe there's God's best for your life. Cornelius is God's best for my life. I could have chosen God's worst for my life. I could have, but thank God I accepted the call that was on our life together. I knew within 15 minutes that my husband was going to be my husband. I knew right away, no question, right away. Um, will you always know? I don't know, but I, I've been spending time with God, and I've said no to so many guys. I mean, the Christian lawyers, doctors, they all look great on paper, but I knew they weren't for me. I knew it wasn't God's will for me. I knew I had a call in my life, and I couldn't just date anybody just because you got a little degree and a little bit of money. Like, I need you to have purpose. I, I need to believe in your vision in order to follow you. Like, I need to see, I need to believe in the package. I need to respect and honor you as a man. And I respected and honored him as a man, and I just looked up to him when we were courting. I mean, I just looked up to him like, oh, my gosh, he's a man. Like, yo, I respect him, and he waited to kiss me that during that process. Like, we didn't kiss until our wedding day. So I used to look at him like, dang, I love you. You know, like, thank you for honoring me and loving me. And I can submit to a man like that. So um, I don't even want to make it plain. He ain't trying to keep us and hidden from us, you know. Um, how do you stay encouraged when the Lord promised you something two years ago and it still hasn't come to pass, nor does it look like it ever will come to pass? How do you stay joyful in the midst of waiting? It's hard. Honey, the Lord told me I was going to preach in 2003. I didn't see anything until about 2011, 2012. About 2012 was when I really started preaching. I didn't see nothing. There was about nine years that went by where I did not see. I mean, I'm working these jobs. I'm working at these temp jobs. I'm like, God, I don't feel like I have a purpose. I'm trying to figure it out. I even tried to go to grad school because I'm like, well, maybe I need to go to grad school to accomplish the will of God for my life. No, that was just more student loans. Don't get me started on those student loans. But, um, you know, I, I just I learned to be joyful when I didn't understand. I learned to I learned to be thankful when I didn't get it. Um, I learned to trust God, and those are the moments that you grow. When it's hard right now, you're growing by being joyful, by choosing to be joyful. There's times in my marriage where it's like, you know what, I have a choice. I can either be happy or I can complain and murmur and nag. And what I like to do is just give myself perspective. Your husband comes home to you every single day. He works from home with you all day long. He travels with you all day long. He loves you. He thinks about you. He considers you. He protects you. He loves you. Why are you complaining about the fact that he leaves his socks on the floor? Why are you complaining about this? Or why are you complaining? Why are you nitpicking about that? My husband has so many great qualities, and sometimes we nitpick certain things in our lives, and we become discontent about them. And God is like, just be thankful for the portion that you have now and find something to be thankful for. So you're not alone. Two years ain't bad because I waited nine, honey. And um, trust him. He 
has your back. How do you know God's voice? Sometimes I think he's talking to me, but sometimes I feel like it could be me. Now, you hear and recognize a person's voice by the time you spend with them. For example, if I heard my husband calling me from the other room, I would know it's his voice. I would know in a room filled with people, if my husband screamed my name, I would know his voice out of all the voices that I heard. And the same thing with God, with God when you're spending time with him, you're going to be able to hear and recognize his voice in a room filled with voices, a room filled with demonic spirits trying to tell you that you're nothing, you're nobody. You're going to be able to hear God's voice in the midst of that. So spend time with God. I know people are like, you know, you always talk about spending time with God. Honey, go read my blog, um, spend time with God, and you spend time with God until you can hear and recognize his voice. There's times where I sit in my bedroom and I'm like, God, I'm not leaving here until you talk to me. There's times where I sat on my floor for four or five hours. I'm going to sit here until you talk to me. I'm going to sit right here. If you're going to be silent, we're just going to sit here. I'm going to make sure I'm going cluttered. I turn my phones off. I have my little bottle of water. I was like, I'm going to sit right here. Got my little snack. Speak to me, Lord. I'm going to sit right here until you make it plain to me. And you know, I just waited on God, and I spent that time with him. And when I did, it's like it says when, when we draw near to him, he draws near to us. Like he's always right there, but at times we draw away from him. So draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. He'll speak to you, and he'll make it plain. So I'm going to answer one more question. Um, Lord's been convicting me about dancing. I'm not a club for anything, but some weddings and birthday parties I attend have dancing. What do you suggest for fun danceless wedding reception? Replace dancing with, honestly, why don't you do, like, you can do, like, sets. Like, you know, there's a little, you know, sets to the right that I don't know. Do, like, little sets or, like, safe salsa or just something safer than, like, that, like, pop-in and all that other stuff. I don't, I personally don't dance and I don't do any of that stuff. Um, and I used to do the dance ministry at my church, but that's still a different type of dance. Um, I just always felt like my body should glorify God. And if I'm not dancing to glorify him, I'm not going to do it. So when my husband and I go to weddings, we might slow dance together, um, but we're not nasty or anything. We're just we're respectful just because we want to be mindful of the other people that are there. So we make sure we have those boundaries up. Um, replace it with, I'm not sure what to replace it with. Again, in my wedding, there was a lot of, like, stepping and line stuff, and um, it was just fun, friends getting together. But be led by the Holy Spirit more than anything. That's what is most important. So um, I love you guys, and I had so, so much fun. Again, go to pinkypromisemovement.com to join a group nearby you. Um, on my blog, I know I, there's hundreds of other questions I didn't get to, but if you email again next month, um, I'll be able to answer them. Um, if you go to heatherlindsay.com, I have hundreds of blogs that talk about everything that you guys have asked about, um, and we'll have clarification. This is recorded, so you can watch it play back now. Tell your friends or whatever the case is, whatever you're allowed to do. But I love you guys, and I miss y'all. I pray you had a beautiful Christmas and New Year. And I'm just excited about what the Lord is doing in your life. And know that you're not on this journey alone. Know you're not the only person that's fighting this battle. Know that you're not the only person that's getting tested. Know that you're not the only person that feels like you're a failure and it feels like nothing you do is good enough. Because I have very much felt that way, and so have so many other believers as well. You're not alone in this walk. God is for us, and if we all come together and we hold hands and we pray for one another and we can get through the different tests and trials that come our way, we're not alone in this walk. So cheers to being content and passing the test when it comes to attacking because it's going to. I love you guys. Good night. With lucky landslots, 
you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.